Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established, co-founder of Established Ventures, and the team behind the Startup of the Year community and this very podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. On this episode, I talk with Kurt Wilkin, who is the CEO of Hire Better, hirebetter.com if you're on the internet which is a national recruiting firm working directly with leaders of high-growth companies to build game-changing teams. He's also the founder of uh, and partner at B-Cave Capital, a Texas-based early-stage venture group that invests in Texas companies who are making a difference in a variety of different industries. He recently wrote a book called Who's Your Mike? A No-Bullshit Guide to People You'll Meet on Your Entrepreneurial Journey. You can grab a copy of it over at whosyourmike.com or where any anywhere where books are sold. I think it's literally one of the top Amazon books right now. So go check that out. And uh, he's got a really cool assessment tool too. If you're interested, if you're trying to figure out your team and maybe have some people problems, go over to whosyourmike.com and look for the quiz. And you can take it as you look to bring your company, company to the next level. And uh, it should help you out from the start. All right, before we dive in though, we're going to talk to, actually we're going to talk about a, comp- a couple of things. We're going to talk about an event that's coming up. We've got uh, our Grow Your Startup series, which we've been doing now for several months. We're going to have a event on December 13th, which will conclude the series for this year. And it'll be a virtual event, which features five companies from our community. And they'll be pitching their ideas to a group of investor judges and our global audience. The event timeline, application, and event registration can be found over on our website. But if you can get the short link, you can get there faster. Just type in S-O-T-Y dot L-I-N-K forward slash grow pitch 2022. Again, it's S-O-T-Y dot link forward slash grow pitch 2022. And it should direct you right to the page where it kind of talks about everything related to the event. There's an application uh, you need to fill out if you're a startup that wants to pitch. And there's a deadline around that. And then it'll show as we continue to update it, the various judges and kind of the event structure. So look forward to having you. I hope you uh, join us for the event on December 13th. It should be a good one. All right. Now, again, we always like to highlight and showcase. I've been doing this for almost 20 years now, showcasing startups uh, and trying to give them additional um, exposure. So we're going to continue in that vein. And today's episode, the company we're showcasing is Clear Cogs. They're a company in our community, and they are building a proprietary crystal ball to empower restaurant operators with specific tools and information, including demand predictions, and they need that they would need to help uh, proactively make decisions and reduce management stress, labor inefficiencies, and food waste. If you're interested in learning more, simply go over to clearcogs.com. It's C-L-E-A-R-C-O-G-S.com. All right, now let's jump in with Kurt Wilkin about building the right team for your startup. Hi, Kurt. Welcome, and thanks for being here today. Hey, Frank. So, uh, thanks so much for having me, dude. I love what you guys are doing with innovation and creativity and helping uh, really startups be successful. Here's thanks great so stuff. much. Well, I'm excited to talk to you today because your book really caught my attention. Um, everyone makes those early hires and potentially then outgrows them. And I feel like 
with what you're doing, this could be spot on for a lot of startups that are in our community. But before we jump into that in your book, I wanted to get listeners up to speed with a little bit about your background and what you're doing over at Hire Better. So maybe just give us a little bit of a brief understanding of that and we'll, we'll dive right in then. Sure. Uh, my background is professional services, uh, starting at Ernst & Young, and then I started my own deal about uh, two, uh, five years later and uh, grew that to a $20 million business with 110 or so employees. And I uh, had a great run, sold it successfully. So bought Hire Better in 2011 as a way to help entrepreneurs uh, really build their teams for success. Uh, I felt like talent is so important to, to the success of, of startups, but the recruiting industry that serves it is not exactly the highest reputation. So I figured let's buy a recruiting firm and, and really change the narrative. So that's what we set out to do. And we've we've done that. We've become the really the strategic talent partner for uh, for high growth companies, for entrepreneurs. And our job is to help you go from scrappy startup with a bunch of generalists to really building that next level team to and, and professionalize your your team. So a lot goes into that. We can I can bore you to, de- uh, to, to death with a lot of higher, better stuff. But an exciting piece of news, we just announced today the acquisition of, a, of, a, of another firm that's going to allow us to do even more work for entrepreneurs. Excellent. Congratulations. Hot off no, the presses. Thanks. Hot off the presses. Just uh, announced <laughs> it about 30 minutes ago. Wow. Very exciting. And you're based out of Austin, but you do this everywhere, correct? We work all over uh, the U.S. And uh, yes, we are based in Austin and our team is all over the U.S. as well. Great. Excellent. And that gives us a little bit of a base. And I know you also do some investing. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that, just so everyone understands kind of the other things you're tying tying yourself into? So I, th- I think you had B, B Cave uh, Capital. Is that who, is that right? Who you work it's with? called B Cave Capital. B yeah. Cave Road is a is a, a big road through uh, through Westlake in Austin, Texas. And I kind of named it after that, kind of stealing the Sand Hill Road concept from the from the Bay Area. But we invest in I invest in people. And, uh, and we've, over the last 20 years, we've made about 150 or so investments. Some of them are really, really good and make me look really, really smart. And, and there's a lot of dogs that no one really talks about, but I'm happy to talk about the dogs too, because I want to keep it real. Absolutely. I think that's what I kind of got from your book too, is very real, right? It's part very matter of fact. And I like that about it. Some people button it up a little too much, right? And then you can't, you know, you, you don't get to the, to the point as quickly. So um, wanted to talk about your book. So let's, your book uh, came out recently. I think it's called Who's Your Mike? A No Bullshit Shit Guide to People You'll Meet on Your Entrepreneurial Journey. Uh, first off, what inspired you to write the book? Well, uh, I felt like I have so many conversations with entrepreneurs at, at a lunch or at a dinner party or whatever. And I talk about some of the challenges that I know that I went through and I, and I know from the, seeing the, the uh, consistent themes of what they're going through. And it really resonated, these stories. And so uh, I, I wanted to take the, uh, this, the story from a one-to-one to a one-to-many. And I've had so much fun talking about it with people. And as we get into some of the archetypes and characters and stories, your head will be nodding vigorously too, because I, I know we've all had these some of these same challenges. So it's just so fun to help entrepreneurs and guide them on their own journey. No, I love it because you don't necessarily, you talked at the beginning about how, you know, hiring in general kind of has this, or hiring companies especially have this kind of like dirty kind of name-ish kind of recognition with them, but you're kind of cleaning it up and also, um, putting these things out here that I don't think people talk about as much and I feel like they should. So um, I loved how you created these personas around these various people. So let's kind of dive into that. Like for those not familiar with the book yet, uh, basically there's about 11 or or so personas. It started with Mike because who's your Mike, right? It makes sense. And let's, let's talk about Mike and maybe a couple others. And so people get a chance to kind of understand what we're talking about and then we'll dive into kind of some questions about them. 
So sure. who, who's your mic? Who's your mic? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about Mike. But before I do that, let me just tell you the reason we wrote the, the narratives and the archetypes is, is I'm a pretty simple dude. And I love to learn from my own experiences and also love to learn from the stories of others. And I like to say this, the bigger the shit show, the bigger the lesson I'm going to learn. So tell me all your not just the glory stories about how you made a billion dollars. Tell me the gory stories about how you fell on your ass. So that's the the reason it's a bunch of stories. And there's some good advice uh, weaved in there as well. But the title character is Mike. And, and uh, the basic premise of Mike is, look, he can come into your life in any number of ways. In the book, he's your fraternity brother in college that started out as your bookkeeper. But really, let's use bookkeeper as the as the narrative. Uh, your early stage bookkeeper, they're doing all the things uh, accounting wise, they're doing all those like mind numbing tasks for entrepreneurs that you don't really like to do. And you probably suck at like setting up your bank account and setting up your LLC and just doing all the administrative things over the course of, you know, three, four, five years, uh, Mike becomes your controller. And then you're ultimately your CFO because that's the next logical title. And you re- you want to reward him for all the hundred hour weeks he's put in and all the loyalty that he's, uh, he's provided to you. And you look up and you're, and you're doing, you know, five, $10 million in revenue. All of a sudden you realize Mike's in over his head. Mike's trying to negotiate a $10 million line of credit with the bank and trying to implement a new ERP system and things he's never done before. He has no idea what he's doing and he's swirling. He doesn't have a staff. He's never learned how to build a team. Oh my gosh. What do you do with Mike? And the question is, who's your Mike? Everybody, every entrepreneur either either has a mic, has had one, or will have one because it's one of the most consistent themes we've seen in the uh, entrepreneurial world. That makes sense. Yeah, I think we've all had that that happen. So I, I like that. It ties really closely into a lot of people's stories, and I like how you created those people's kind of better tell the story. So some that kind of stuck out, and there's a bunch of them. I kind of rattle a couple of them off. Is you got uh, Harry the Hustler, you got Pipeline Paul, Right Hand Rita, Side Hustle Sam, Bounce Around Betty, Techno Tim. Resume Ralph, B Player Bob, HR Rhonda, and Next Level Natalie. The ones that kind of I thought were interesting uh, were, and there's they all were interesting, but for different ways. But the ones that resonated with me were like Next Level Natalie. I think is one that kind of stars might you know need to eventually hire, and then Pipeline Paul. So we all kind of hired a Pipeline Paul at some point. I feel like. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about Next Level Natalie, and then what she's all about, and why it's important, and then we'll dive into the other. Yeah. Uh, the way we set up the book was we have several cha- chapters about what I call legacy employees, people who've been with you for a long time and they've grown with the organization. Then there's the big, uh, you know, silver bullet guys or gals that you bring in from the outside that either can or, or can't or don't hurt, uh, help you. Then there's uh, some chapters around the just the human uh, resource component uh, as, as a whole. And then the last kind of keystone character, if you will, is Next Level Natalie. It's the... Um, I'll call it the one biggest unlocking move for most entrepreneurs, especially if you're a, what I would call a visionary entrepreneur who's really good at selling and forecasting the future or selling ice to Eskimos, whatever it is, maybe you're the product guy. You're often, and I'll, I'll, I'll say, speaking for myself, I'm not a very good operator. I suck at details and I'm not great at really executing uh, the vision. And so I need what I call an operating partner or execution partner. Uh, There's a book out there called Rocket Fuel and the whole traction series from Gina Wickman and Mark Winters. They call this uh, person the integrator. And it's the person that really can take your your vision and where you want to go and make it into a strategic roadmap and an execution plan so you actually do what you say you want to do. 
So next level Natalie is really the biggest unlocking character that, that most entrepreneurial companies uh, will have. Right. When is the right time to find that person, that next level of Natalie? Is it right away? Is it at what point do you get to that point where you're like, okay, I know I need this person? You know, that's a great question and there's no easy answer. I'll just walk you through a couple of quick scenarios with the controller group, which is the company I mentioned earlier that we grew to 20 million bucks and 110 employees. Uh, Brett Lawson was my partner from the beginning. So that worked out great. We, I didn't know he was, you know, my next level guy until, you know, later when I you know, kind of had some time for reflection, but we were a great yin and yang partner. Um, I've seen, um, uh, as you get to be five, $10 million in, in revenue and you're still, you know, that visionary, I think that's a perfect time to bring in what I might call an operating partner. So somebody at the president level, or in my case, I brought in Cisco Sakasa and brought him in and made him my CEO. So there's different flavors for smaller companies. I've seen it work where you might have a, just a strong admin or office manager that can help you with a lot of those, you know, follow through tasks and details. It's hard for that person to grow into your partner when you're doing 10, $15 million in revenue though. That's, um, that's one of the, the, um, cautions for you is not to, to get too far ahead of yourself and promote your, your, um, I think I called a right-hand reader in the book, your, your EA all the way to, right. uh, you know, COO, for example. Right. Yep. No, that makes sense. Interesting. Okay. So the other one that stuck out was Pipeline Paul, because sales is always, you know, if you're not doing the sales as a CEO, which most of the time you probably are for quite a, t quite a while, because no one's going to sell it better than you at, in, you know, at a certain point. And then at a point, point that's not scalable anymore. So you've got to bring in some, some help. Um, Pipeline Paul is kind of that, that uh, sales person that you bring in. Maybe he's a little too, he's a little more polished. He may, may have an executive kind of a, a background. Can you talk a little, little bit more about that pipeline, Paul, and how to make sure you don't hire the pipeline, Paul, but right, you know, find the right salesperson necessarily. Right. That's a, it's a great example, a great question. And there's two sales characters in the book. There's Harry, the hustler, which I'll, I'd love to talk about in a little bit, but pipeline, Paul, pipeline, Paul is, I'll call it the siren song, the silver bullet, the guy who's going to um, sell your way to, you know, a billion dollars, right? And he's got a great resume. He's probably referred to you by an investor or a friend or somebody that you know and trust. And everybody likes Paul. He's the life of the party. He's shakes everybody's hand, looks them in the eye, and you know has you know is able to connect easily. And he's got he, he can talk a big game. He comes from a one of the larger companies in town, so it kind of looks sexy on the resume. And he convinces you that that uh, that he's going to be able to do the same thing that he did for Dell or you know, uh, American Express or whatever the big company is for your, you know, shitty little startup. And the reality is it's takes more than just a resume, uh, to, uh, to be successful in an entrepreneurial environment. And you need both the skills and experience to, to be able to, to, to grow a company, but you also have to have that grit and, and kind of scrappy startup um, mantra, if you will. And so pipeline, Paul comes in and promises you the world. He's having lunch with Michael Dell and and uh, um, you know Steve Jobs and and whatever. Uh, his best friend is the CFO at the company you're trying to trying to sell to. And as you get going, you you just you love that siren song. And as you as you go, you keep asking him, "Hey, how's it going? Oh, the pipeline. Yeah, I've got a lot of stuff in the pipeline. Well, is it you know uh, how's it progressing? Oh, well, this is big boy stuff. You've been selling, you know, tiny little companies in the past. We're selling enterprise level stuff. This is next. This is big leagues, Kurt. And so you, you, he keeps pushing you off with this promise of this pipeline. 
that never matriculates through the pipeline. So you got a lot of leads and a lot of great conversations, and a lot of rounds of golf, a lot of cocktails and expensive steak dinners, but no sales. And so finally, a, you know, a year, a year and a half later, you finally say, Hey man, I've had enough of this. I, I don't think this is ever going to happen. And, and you part ways with Paul. And so another lesson learned. So a lot of entrepreneurs have learned the pipeline Paul lesson. Yeah. And it can crush your company. I mean, you don't have that much time to mess around right with that particular you know hire right so i think that's that's why it's important to try to identify that early um and then you know who is the right person it sounds like you know in looking at the personas you've got harry the hustler which could be somebody you hire or bring in right away to help you you know to make that sales gap happen that you know so you're not doing all the sales so maybe talk a little bit more about what startups should do to find that uh that right person maybe at the right time yeah i think the problem with paul is is uh everything looks just so good on paper and he talks such a great game and you really, you, you want to move into the big leagues and you want to to do everything he's preaching. And it, it's just not that easy with Harry, the hustler. So Harry's a different character. So he's probably been with you for a long time. Maybe he started in some other role, but along the way, as you needed help and you're selling the way you sell as an entrepreneur, which by the way, is very different than what anybody you bring in from the outside is going to be able to do. But Harry's been with you. He's shattered you on a thousand calls and he can, you know, he, he understands the business and he's able to sell pretty, pretty well. The problem with Harry is as you look to go to your next level, you want to grow your sales organization. So, you know, you need either more Harry's or you need to, uh, to build out a sales team. And so you, you talk to some of your mentors and you realize, man, I need a, I need a sales leader. I need a sales manager. Well, Harry wants that role because he's been with you from day one, right? Well, Harry's not a sales manager. He's not a sales leader. He's a sales dude that's kind of grown you know, through the ranks. And so a lot of folks make the mistake of, of promoting Harry to sales leader, sales manager. And then he starts spending his day you know, trying to manage a team. And he's never done that before. Trying to build out sales collateral and a sales process, which he's never done before. And you lose your best salesperson because he's no longer selling and you just hired a shitty manager. So it's really a, a, a road to, uh, to nowhere. Uh, if you, if you promote him and he's the wrong guy, sometimes he or she is, is, is uh, promotable and coachable, uh, but not, not usually. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So watch out for those. Um, that's, that's definitely interesting. I mean, you've got, so I guess the point would be try to keep that Harry the Hustler happy and involved in, in sales for as long as possible and work around, um, you know, how, how to do that, right? And if you need to bring in a salesperson or sales lead, um, obviously communicate well well with that with the team and try to keep that open communication going. I think that was a thread that I heard throughout because ultimately, in going back to even in uh, Pipeline Paul, salespeople are really good at selling. <laughs> That's the problem, I think, when it comes to these. It's easy to get kind of pulled into that, you know, that uh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna bring you to the next level kind of song, um, and ultimately make the make the wrong choice. Yeah, uh, I, I think you, you touched on a great point there, Frank, and that is your role as a leader is is having uh, communicating regularly and often, and building that rapport and relationship with your team, so you can have those challenging conversations uh, when the time comes. In uh, in the book, we have a great example of a of a Harry the Hustler who was really good at, at what he does. And by the way, not all characters are guys and we, we just makes right. it easy for, for the example. Um, and uh, what, what they decided to do was, was make uh, Harry basically a, a, a rainmaker and a, a partner and just focus solely on sales and relationships. And he was fantastic at it. And we had to have some challenging conversations with him when we told him, 
look, you're not the chief revenue officer of the future. You're not a sales leader. You're a, you're a biz dev guy. And we couched it a little bit different than I just described it. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, after some initial disappointment, he realized I don't want that job. I don't want to sit there and go through call reports and hold, you know, hold people accountable. I just want to go and, you know, develop business. And it was a, turned out to be a win-win, but boy, there were some challenging times here as we were, um, you know, having those tough conversations with them. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, so kind of switching gears here, just thinking about holistically as an entrepreneur, are there some best practices that you, you kind of have in mind when you're first initially starting that team? Because, you know, some of those things, you know, early on you're, you're hiring friends and relatives and everyone else that wants to help you with your, your mission and you don't have a lot of cash potentially. So you're trying to pull it all together, but eventually you're going to stabilize and need to build that team. And so I wanted to understand from your perspective, what are those things you think about when you're thinking about hiring? Yeah. So I'm going to uh, take your question and make it, uh, if I'm want to build that next level team, I want to go from whatever that phase yep. is now to whatever my next yeah. level is. Cause in the early days, you need a lot of generalists and you need a lot of people that are willing right. to do anything and everything. So right. as you look to grow, you're, you're going to want to uh, start building some specialties on the team. So maybe you need someone to run just sales and not sales delivery and, you know, uh, washing the, uh, scrubbing the floors. And you're going to need somebody who is just more specialist in those roles. Um, for any recruiter, what, what usually happens is you tell a recruiter, I need a VP of sales and they go off and find you a VP of sales. What we do is I want to understand where you're going as an organization and what is your future organization chart need to look like then let's take a look at your existing team and see where the gaps are. So for example, you might have a Harry that's very uh, promotable. He's got a lot of skills and could grow into that sales leader or, or maybe in over the course of the next two years, it could become that sales leader. And that works out with your timeline. Let's invest in a coach for Harry and let's help him get the tools that he needs to, to become that. Um, sometimes we get the request for a CFO for, for these clients. I don't really know what your existing uh, team looks like. Let's say you have a really strong controller or accountant, not your CFO. That doesn't mean your current controller needs to leave because you still need that accounting function. Maybe you augment with a fractional CFO, for example. So there's lots of nuances as we grow from, you know, that scrappy startup to next level. And it, it's not, it's a puzzle. And I, I hesitate to just go and find, quote, a CFO when maybe you need a strong accountant with an operational if that makes sense. So yeah. how, do, how does the puzzle fit together? Yeah. Another one that people ask a lot is when's the right time to hire an HR person, right? To cover some of those, both um, things that protect your company, as well as things that kind of attract the people to the company, like culture. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that one as well. As you go to the next level, what is that right timing to bring that somebody like that on versus having your COO and some of your other groups uh, on the C-level handle that? Yeah, well, when you get to 50 employees is a time I would absolutely encourage folks to have some sort of HR function because that's when all the federal compliance laws kick in. And the challenge that HR has, and I wrote this in the book, you know, everybody hates HR or uh, forget what the exact quote was, but um, almost everybody hates our HR because HR has become a compliance and protection machine as opposed to a best place to work, a culture attractor, all the things that we crave as an entrepreneur. So uh, in the book, we talked about the need for that compliance focused person that's making sure benefits are paid and payrolls are payrolls paid and uh, uh, all the regulations are followed. However, 
And that's what you need at, at the 50 uh, person mark. However, along the way, I'd love to have somebody on my team who's a people person that can be the uh, the pur uh, purveyor of culture, so to speak. So maybe it's the entrepreneur in many cases. Um, in, in other cases, it's the chief operating officer or whatever the most people-centric person who understands people performance, not just people compliance. Yeah, that makes sense. Big, I'm a big fan of culture and actually our previous company, uh, Tony Shea was actually an investor and in one of our, our friends and neighbors uh, in Las Vegas for a bit. And, um, you know, obviously understand that whole delivering happiness kind of mantra and everything. So big fan of culture. I think it's super important even from the start, but I understand hundred percent. I think, you know, bring, bring HR too early could be a, could be detrimental to the company, number one. And you, but at a certain point, you definitely need it because it gets a little tricky. Um, okay. Well, so the, let's... the challenge, Frank, is that people's understanding of HR. So HR is, right. again, it's that compliance versus uh, what right. you were talking about with Tony Shea. That was totally yeah. different uh, part of the organization. And it's not owned by the CFO. If you want yeah. culture, don't have it be the administrative right. you know, Nazis. Right. I liked how you kind of broke it out in the book, actually. You called one HR for protection and the other HR for attraction, which I think is a really good way to put it when you're talking about a similar thing, because they do do, you know, they're the yin and the yang, right? You're talking about two different parts, but kind of have, have been lumped together uh, in companies. So uh, like I liked how you painted that picture for, for, for folks. Um, okay, so switching gears a little bit here. Um, what, si you know, what side of the company should you be looking at, um, you know, starting... Is it, what size of the companies um, should start should start evaluating their founding teams and deciding like, okay, we've outgrown certain people and we need to like maybe start retooling. I mean, because you talked about leveling up. At what point do you know that that's the when you need to do that? Oh man, um, it's it's probably all along the way. Uh, it, here's what it, a couple of rules I like to have. It, I like to say, look, if I've got a leadership team of five or six people, and all five or six of us are going through this for the first time, this rapid, amazing growth, we're going to learn a lot of lessons the hard way. Right. So, but if I can bring in one or two people that have had the experience and have the skins on the wall, then I can learn from their past experiences. I can get there faster and cheaper and with less pain. So you don't have to replace the entire team, but as you look for where you need help, start looking for ways to augment. So if you have members of your team like a Mike, and you're not sure if if he or she is is right for you, I have four simple questions I like to ask. I'm happy to go through them with you right now if you think sure. it'd be helpful, Frank. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So these are amalgamated from other thought leaders out there like Gina Wickman and Vern Harnish and others in the space. But the first question is, knowing today what you know about your organization and where you're going, would you enthusiastically rehire Mike for that same role? And a couple of key words there. One is enthusiastic. Right. The other is for that same role. So Mike might be a great accountant, but he's not your next level CFO. No, that makes sense. Okay. That's, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So what's the next question? The next question is, does Mike have the skills, tools, and experience to be able to get you to that next level, however you define it? So or does he have the right systems and tools in place? Does he know how to build those systems? So those are, you know, a couple of questions that I like to ask. The other two are more gut related questions and they're not scientific, but they, they really help me because I'm a, and many entrepreneurs, because we're, you know, driven by our gut. The first question is, what if I had a team full of mics? How would I feel? And that question is, you know, Mike may be a good guy, but he's a drama queen. Right. And so what if you had 10 of them floating around your organization? Oh my gosh, I couldn't, you know, couldn't manage. So that's just a, a good gut check. And the other one is what if Mike came into your office tomorrow and quit? Right. How would you feel? 
how would you feel for many yeah. entrepreneurs? It would be yeah. at first, it'd be like, Oh my gosh, I don't like change. Yeah. Then once they got past that, they're like, Oh my gosh, you saved me a boat. What a relief. Trouble. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Excellent. Yeah. You sometimes don't see it because you're so in it, right? You're in, you're in working on everything together so much that you don't realize, wow, this could be, it could be better in a different way. Uh, that's mm-hmm. great. I love those questions. I think they're going to be helpful for all of our listeners. All right. So we're almost at time here. So I want to kind of wrap it and, and, and then um, ask you kind of a couple of final questions. So, um, you know, Basically, you, you know, at some point, um, you're going to maybe have to let your baby go, right? And you talk about this in your book a little bit. You, if you're doing the right things and you're growing the company, at a certain point, you maybe, maybe not, may, might not be the right CEO for the for the job if you're the CEO, right? So, how do you do that? What's what are the things you need to to check off on there as far as um, you know, bringing someone else in or or maybe bring others in to kind of help you? Yeah, this is uh, definitely one of the hardest things for most entrepreneurs to do. It was easy for me because I I no longer wanted the burden of being the CEO. I wanted all the calls and everything to go to Cisco, and I can easily just point point next door, right, for for him. So I think it's uh, when, when I like to do an exercise I call highest and best use. What is Kurt the best at that I love to do, and and that I it's really fuels me. I want to do more of that, and the other stuff doesn't fuel me. I'm not any good at it. I've wasted a lot of time at it. Let's try to get someone else to augment those. For me, it happened to be that role. So it made it easy for me. For other entrepreneurs, it may be something different, but I bet if we really searched our soul and thought about the things that drive us, doing the day-to-day run of the business is probably not the biggest one. So it doesn't mean that we're no longer the founder or even the biggest owner or shareholder. It just means someone else is is driving the ship. Um, mm-hmm. Again, that made it easy for me. I think of a lot of your entrepreneurs, if they really thought long and hard about it, they would love to give those reins up as well, as long as they can get past the ego of not being the CEO. Right. I think that's the biggest thing in some cases, right? Not being the person in charge anymore and, and stepping back. And then sometimes people get a little lost. Like even you mentioned with with bringing in that other uh, persona with um, Next Level Natalie, you might not be doing the things you were doing before and feel like, what am I supposed to be doing here? <laughs> right. So that can be kind of troubling for a minute until you find yourself. But I love this. This is super helpful. I think all of our listeners will find it really interesting. And uh, we don't get to hear these kinds of stories or thoughts as much about hiring, uh, I feel like. So I find I find it very fascinating and uh, i know your book's out there i wanted to you know make sure people can find it where's the best place to get the book um who's your mic yeah you bet the best place is go to who's your uh and and we can i think links to amazon and barn uh, barnes and noble okay uh, we reached a uh, bestseller on amazon a few weeks back which was congrats great. congrats oh, that's yeah, awesome. awesome yeah that's and great. then we also have a, a fun quiz if you think maybe i've got a mic maybe i've got a natalie or whatever uh go to uh, who's your mic.com and then there's a link for the quiz so slash quiz Awesome. We'll we'll link those up in our show notes as well, so everyone can find them. Kurt, thank you so much for joining us and sharing all your 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 perspectives and insights from from doing this for so long. Hey, Frank, this has been a pleasure. Keep up the great work. All right, thanks so much. That's really a fascinating conversation that addresses a topic that I'm not so sure founders think about when they're starting up that they actually have to manage people. You're all about the idea and getting going, getting it started, and uh, you might have you know, pull in your friends and family and eventually they outgrow the situation potentially. So uh, a lot of great lessons learned there from Kurt and I appreciate him joining us today. And if you enjoyed the conversation with Kurt, please do share it with someone you think might find it useful or helpful. We believe in sharing and spreading the love here as we try to help each other as you all are on a journey together. And sharing is caring too. Don't forget that. Well, that's the episode today. I hope you enjoyed the show and thank you again for listening. Uh, if you got a startup idea, don't wait. Today is the day to start it up. Get that startup idea going. 
get it out there and uh, don't wait another day. And in doing so, I encourage you to join our startup community for access to support, expert advice, and all the resources you need to elevate your startup to the next level by simply going to startupofyear.com or short link if you like short links, S-O-T-Y dot link, L-I-N-K forward slash apply. And that'll get you into the community uh, and get, you know, so you can take advantage of some of, some of these resources right away. Until next time, I'm Frank Gruber. Don't forget to hug your loved ones. Enjoy, enjoy every day and uh, good luck starting up out there. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.